celebrating success, learning from legends, and growing poppies. This is Tall Poppy Talk with Grace Lewis. Comedian, writer, dad, musician, author, podcaster, ambassador, dentist? Sam Smith wears many hats and he is going to have you smiling regardless of which. (laughs) He made his presence known in the comedy scene when winning Best Newcomer 2013, after having graduated the Class Comedians program and being a finalist in the Raw Comedy Quest 2011. Sam is an incredible writer, shaping many household favourites, such as Seven Days New Zealand, Taskmaster, The Project, Jono and Ben, Family Feud, Pop Stars, Patriot Brains, Wellington Paranormal, Have You Been Paying Attention New Zealand, just to name a few because there are more. Moreover, he is seen in quite literally every corner and pillar of the nation's entertainment industry and many roles behind the scenes as well as front and centre, often appearing on TV and the New Zealand comedy circuit. To continue his impressiveness, he is also a remarkable person with his range as he's demonstrated in his very educational, more serious projects such as the Attitude Doco Show, Diving Into MS and Public Debates and Referendums. This year, Sam has been very busy already, having recently completed the Brown the Base, fundraising to help multiple sclerosis Auckland, and preparing for his upcoming comedy gigs. Sam, welcome to Tall Poppy Talk. How and where are you today? Grace, thank you so much. How am I today? I'm very well today, especially after having you speak through those things. It's it's quite nice having someone list all your <laughs> achievements in a row. Feel um, quite good, thank you. Well, brilliant. And that was not all of them. Like that was me having to cut some things down. You will dive into it a little bit, but you're a busy man. I am a busy man at the moment, which is very nice. It's um, it's something with uh, comedy and working in television. They don't make TV between like mid-November to mid-February. So I have a couple of months off every year where I panic and go, oh no, I'm going to have to brush off my dental tools and get back into that. Um, but luckily around this time of year, um, everything sort of kicks up into gear and I've had lots of cool little things starting up, some which are secret, which is quite exciting that I can't tell you, but they're going to be very cool later in the year. And, uh, and then I've got some, I've got some more books coming out along the, well, next year and other things along the pipeline. So it's very exciting times and it's great. I'm so excited about it all. Wow. That makes me even more. Yeah. I forgot to say, where am I? I'm in Auckland, New Zealand. <laughs> I didn't answer that, but no. just so you know. <laughs> Auckland, New Zealand. Your introduction into the comedy scene or comedy world was through Class Comedians, which I don't really know about, but it's a program run within the New Zealand Comedy Festival. Is that right? Yeah, that, that's right. Yes, it's they go around all the um, schools in Auckland and get all the, um, probably the ADHD kids, probably, and get them to get, just have a go at doing comedy. And I was into doing stand-up comedy. And I was into theatre sports and drama and things like that. And just saw this this thing, hey, do you want to do this comedy workshop? So I went along and did it and didn't realise it was an audition to get into this um, into this workshop in the school holidays. So me and my friend Carl, we both got in. Um, so we went along every day and they taught us about stand-up and we met a bunch of comedians and we got to hang out at a proper bar and it was amazing. It was during the day, but it was it was, it was was great. And that, that bar was the classic, which is like the, the main comedy venue here in, uh, in, in New Zealand, really. 
And so from that, we built up to do uh, a performance in the Comedy Festival um, in front of 500 people, which is a ridiculously large audience for um, people who had never done stand-up before. And um, uh, we all teamed up and did certain things i wanted to do it by myself and so i, I played some music stuff and uh and I, and I and i won an award called the ultimate class comedian award at that show which what i mean with stand-up and i'm sure sports stuff um like you do as well grace it's really important to have those little bits where you just get a bit of an ego boost or a little bit of encouragement something that sort of legitimizes your place there and for me that award made me go oh yeah hey maybe I am a bit funny or I I'm a bit creative and potentially I can use that in my life I, I did lots of music things so I thought I'll probably be a musician of some some sort or and I'll do that at the side because I need to get a proper job I know I know that's the the thing to that's the thing to do um so I went to university and became a dentist but okay you you became a dentist but can you recall that initial feeling when you went to the class comedians and you were in a room full of like-minded people all eager to entertain others and to your point be certifiably funny what was that like having that first experience of hey like everyone around me is thinking the same yeah it was really cool it was like it was yeah for the first time ever really you were like oh yeah this is the this is the version of, I'm, I'm the version of me from Westlake Boys High School. That's the version of me from Glenfield College. That's the version of me from oh, some other school over in town. And it was so good. And we were quite a broad range of ages as well. I was in seventh form. So I felt like I was one of the older kids. There were some people who were in, still like in fourth form doing this course at the same time. So we had quite a range of ages in that group. And you just remember feeling like, um, oh yeah, these, these dudes are silly like me. This is great. There, there are more of me out there um and so yeah well I've still got friends from 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 back then I still hang out with it's great I guess reflecting on your career to date from there like that was the inception of your career whether mm. at that point it was just building it and where you find yourself now do you gravitate towards either writing or performing is there a preference like what are the best parts of each I guess I'm asking yeah great the um I writing for me is the the greatest it's it's a puzzle that you've got to try and solve and you've got to um try and you know making something out of nothing is pretty awesome and pretty rewarding to do performing's great as well you kind of get the um the reward for having done that writing you kind of get the I guess the prestige of getting people laugh at you and it's that that like I was saying that little ego boost of oh yeah cool this is this is um what I'm doing is I guess enjoyable for someone and not just myself um but yeah for me writing I think is the thing I think I'm I think I'm a better writer than I am a performer I'm a fine performer but I think I'm a good writer and um and the the other thing as well that I can write something and then give it to someone who is a good performer and they make my writing sound so much better and then I get to say hey I wrote that I'm the clever guy who did that remember that and uh, well, they get they get all the all the um, the the accolades for being the funny people, um, but I know, yeah, that was me. When I know secretly, it's like ninety percent the performance, but but that ten percent is I will I will take it as well. Um, but yeah, I, I really like both of them. 
and now I've sort of found my niche in comedy where um, I'm I'm sort of the the audience warm up guy for a lot of the shows. I am. Um, so I'm the guy at the start of the show that's like, hey, you guys need to clap and cheer and make noise and be cool, okay? Can you be cool? And um, and I get them sort of ready to then watch the show. And for some reason, not many other comedians in the scene enjoy doing that role, where I quite like it. For me, it's one that has no pressure. I can just go and be chill and a bit silly for a bit and then say, cool, now enjoy the people who have prepared something. Go for it. And um, they sit, the audience sits back and just relaxes and enjoys this nice show that is then going to be on TV. And I get to also sit back and basically watch live TV for my job and then just stand up in the breaks and make sure everyone's enjoying themselves. It's such a cool gig. And I don't understand why other people don't like it as much as I do. Um, and I'm happy for that as well because I can uh, earn a living from doing that while they all don't. So please if you're a comedian please don't steal my gig i really enjoy it well interesting that you said that too is like there's maybe no uh expectation like anything you're giving the people and the audience is more than what they were anticipating from that interaction yeah. that's a good point yeah and i really thought about it like that yeah that's great i'm wondering too like i was going to ask what tips you have for overcoming nervousness when performing but i'm going to pivot when you've written something for someone did you or do you still get nervous that it will fall flat no I don't really get nervous anymore that's something that you kind of get used to like at first when you first do stand up it's the most nerve-wracking thing in the world and it's so tough I think that's why some people do will try stand up once and then be like oh no cool got too nervous it was too difficult I'll never do it again um I in fact I I did it with class comedians and then I did one other gig and then I didn't do it for another what, eight years or something like that. Just building up the, just, you need those, you need the right places to do it. But to answer your question properly, and I'll answer the first question that you were, <laughs> you did ask, but then you didn't, then you came back from it. I don't think like with stand up for me, it's not nervousness at all. It's nervousness is the, the same thing as excitement. And it's just depending on whether you want to do the thing or not and that's what you kind of learn about so for me if I ever get nervous I'm like oh that means I'm excited about this this is this is cool I want this to go well um so I, I've kind of I guess tripped my brain into into um just thinking that yeah it's excitement that I'm looking forward to and then going on to the writing side of it um it's great being a writer watching someone do your material because either they smash it out of the park and you're like yeah hell yeah I wrote that or they absolutely butcher it. And you're, you're like, hey, they butchered that. So you, you there's no there's no lose <laughs> the situation. I guess people comes could people could say, oh, the writing on that was bad. But that's I think that's yet to happen to me yet. And if it's not, I don't really look at things online. So so maybe that's hidden away somewhere in the depths of the internet. But if it is, please keep it away. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure with the preparation too, like when you're writing things ahead of time you do have time to ruminate and on a lot of the shows that you work on, would you be working with the same performers, so to speak, and almost knowing, oh, this person's, this is going to be so good for that person. Like you start to form a relationship and know what's going to hit most with each performer and how they're going to present it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. The um, I've worked a lot with Di Henwood, which has been awesome because he's one of the funniest people 
in the world, let alone New Zealand. He um he's he can just make he can make anything fly. He is just great. We worked together on um oh, I, I was running for seven days for for quite a while, and then from that I got to write the scripts for Family Feud, and we'd just work one on one. And for me, that was amazing. He was he was so good. Also, because he came from he's he did warm up like he was he was me. And um and just sort of being able to hang out with him. And then I've since I've written the actual stand-up for him and things like that as well. So having that, um, having that guy who was the one of the team leaders on seven days for so many years, and I and I know his voice, I mean I could write things pretty pretty well from him and, and um yeah, it, oh he's he's great. I love him. You, he's a great I, guy. I can hear What'd his voice him? too. Yeah, yeah, let's let's get him in. <laughs> oh my, I would lose it if we did. Um <laughs> He's someone too that, much like yourself, I'm just cracking up the whole time we're talking. Do you ever actually need to be serious, or is it just comedy? Like I, when- oh. there's always room for comedy. There's always time for comedy. If anyone's being serious all the time, they need a oh, they need to sort their life out. That's what an unenjoyable life. The um, but but man, there there are totally serious things that happen to comedians, and I think often our way of dealing with that is through through joking, through comedy. Like when I got MS, I remember the my biggest fear was that that I would now be a disabled person and people wouldn't want to do jokes with me anymore. And when I when I was first diagnosed, everyone was a bit not not standoffish everyone's very supportive but very supportive in that very strict or what do we have to do to look after you and it wasn't until um there's a comedian called Jermaine Ross who is a good friend of mine um he I was I lost the feeling in my hands when I got MS and so I was at John and Ben doing some writing and um I was trying to unwrap my sandwich at lunch and I couldn't because my hands weren't working properly and he's he was sitting just across the room and he goes shame MS and I thought that was the funniest thing that has ever happened to me. This what what a complete dick move by him. But for me, that was an absolute like turning point. It was like a light bulb moment of like, oh cool, no, there are I am friends with dickheads will who will continue to treat me like normal despite this new thing. So yeah, I remind him about it all the time as well. Like the fact that you're a jerk, Jermaine, was actually a really nice moment for me. I, I get that though because up until that point everyone it's it is this you know it's a life-changing uh diagnosis diet di- diagnosis sure. you had it right <laughs> thank you diagnosis <laughs> but for someone to joke around the same way they would if you'd had like a bad haircut not at all equating yeah. that to the same thing yeah but it allowed you to be like oh cool people are going to be joking with me I'm going to get That's that right. part because it's so important to you and your interactions with people that I can exactly imagine right. when that was removed. Yeah. Even though it's definitely yeah. a jerk move, as you say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, made- yeah. He's an asshole. It doesn't take anything away from that, but it's a, uh, it's a, it was nice. It was really good. Oh, I, I yeah. That's a, it's awesome to hear. And I totally understand what you mean. Um, I, to segue a little bit, another one of your roles, which is just awesome is as a father to two young, no doubt, brilliant kids. Um, and I understand I was deep diving as I do that when you grow up, you had a very strong connection to the TV. You said it served, it, it exposed you, it shaped your attitude towards comedy and thinking of your kids and other younger generations. 
they're growing up with even greater access, not just the TV, but social media, radio. We were saying just before we started like recording how I'm still listening to the radio podcast, which isn't as common, but I love it. So in your experience, how do you think social media has impacted the accessibility and interaction with comedy in say like the past decade or just recently? Yeah, well, hugely, I think, totally. The um, There used to be a, a, a sort of a clear way into comedy, which was you did stand up. Um, from stand up, you'd get noticed by someone who worked on TV and then you'd get a job on TV and then that would then become the next thing and so on and so on. Now people blow up by making a video by themselves at home and they are overnight suddenly the comedy stars of today. Like it's it's become, I guess a bit, I guess the gate is a bit more open. Like there's, there aren't any um, uh, gate holders, guards. Gatekeepers? Barriers? Gatekeepers, thank you. Gatekeepers. <laughs> there aren't any, there aren't, those gatekeepers aren't really there anymore. Um, but in saying that, it's also become way more broad. So there are more people doing it. So I think there are, there are sort of pros and cons of that. I think, part, luckily for me, um, I grew up doing comedy at a time where we didn't record everything and didn't put everything online because there is some, um, oh, horrifically bad stand-up of mine from back in 2003-2004 that I'm glad will hopefully never see the light of day ever again um but yeah it was good getting those those gigs out of the way and you have to um I'm just lucky that I got to do it at a time where people couldn't dig it back up and oh, I'm sure there's stuff out there somewhere that could <laughs> get dug back up so please don't dig that up if you're looking no. for <laughs> that's I didn't even think of it like that because I as a user like a I don't know consumer of um mm. comedy like I'll say oh lol like I'll be cracking up at something but my face has stayed still because I'm actually yeah. receiving so much comedy all the time whether it's Instagram I tried to avoid TikTok but I got on TikTok and yeah. <laughs> to your point there's really funny people and yeah. I'm almost like oversaturated with yeah. it so it's harder to get like a really like a belly laugh out yeah. of me. You end up with yeah with the, just audience, comedy audiences are way more savvy now and way more niche as well because you're online. You you found those like oh, the five people that you like a lot. You just ingest all that content. That's your that's your thing now. And then when you go and see stand up or something like that, you need to still again find those people who are quite different from in a one on one, one on one. It's one person with a microphone and you and an audience of X amount of people. But still, that that in person connection is different from watching someone on your phone. And I still don't know what how that differs really, but it it does, and <laughs> it's. Yeah, it's it's weird to say. I'm still, yeah, still not sort of a hundred percent sure what I'm doing, especially with the sentence that I'm saying right now. <laughs> yeah, well, to your point about like improv, even I love watching watching stand up, and something will happen in the audience, and the, the comedians making a bit out of it, and that's the funniest part of the whole gig. It's the greatest part. Yeah, I, and that's why I've kind of shied away from stand up recently and gone more to I, it's my warm-up is basically just chatting with the crowd and and just doing with that because of that exact same reason yeah I got a bit sick of doing the same material over and over again and then me pointing out the fact that someone dropped a drink 
was the funniest thing in the world. You're like, damn it. So just living in, in the moment and being alive and active, I think, has, has been a bit, um, a bit more fruitful. You get better laughs yeah. by, by doing that. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I Sorry, by the way, if you can hear sirens in the background. That's, can you hear them? <laughs> That's New York, baby. <laughs> yes, it's unfortunately not so <laughs> uncommon. Um, when, when you do your the warming up and maybe you do want to have an interaction with someone, how do you pick who you're going to talk to in the audience? I've got a, I've got a great thing, which I think is a bit of an advantage. I'm legally blind, so I can't really tell who I'm talking to. Um, it becomes quite awkward sometimes when I'll be like, hello, what's your name? And they'll be like, my name's Belinda. I'm your mum. I'll be like, oh, hi, mum. Sorry, I didn't notice you. That has happened a couple of times. I've also done that with uh, my agent. Hello, what's your name? I'm your agent. Okay, hello, cool. Um, so I will pick basically whoever is closest to me um, and hopefully they're good chatter. And luckily at a TV show audience, if someone maybe doesn't want to chat with people that's fine that's cool not everyone does i can just go to the person next to them straight away and yeah. you can quickly move on and kind of talk about whatever's happening in the in the room so yeah i my my way of picking people is to just go with literally whoever is there <laughs> that there is no rhyme or reason if you're that's just right. that's oh. right if you're there you're getting chatted with that's good though you're not overcomplicating it at all here i was yeah. thinking you look for certain things no you just because whoever's going to be there anyway like we said before it's people want to talk people like to have conversations and if they don't they'll let you know and you'll yeah, move on to right. the next one yeah exactly right oh you're hating this cool i'll jump away and you can even say that and that kind of relaxes people don't worry don't, don't worry i'm not a i'm not a threat you're you're cool just relax have a good night i'll move on who's this person do you know <laughs> yeah. this one yeah oh um I do want to talk about now every uh, every interview I do with a guest, the genesis of the podcast is Tall Poppy Talk is about mm. Tall Poppy Syndrome. And in your own words, please, no right or wrong answer. <laughs> Firstly, could you explain what it is? I love the idea of there's no wrong answer. Tall Poppy Syndrome is a city in, <laughs> in Greece, which <laughs> I don't know. Um, so yeah, for me, tall poppy syndrome is, it's that thing that many of us New Zealanders have in our, <laughs> have in our psyche, that whenever anyone does anything of note, that makes them stand out from the crowd, that makes them uh, either proud of themselves or just separates them on somewhat level, it makes us, it's the thing that makes us go, you're all right, mate, settle down. It's that thing. People being successful in some way and the people who used to be supportive of those people are then like, oh, you don't have to be such a tryhard, buddy. Tone it, tone it down. We try and bring people back down to, to earth, um, I guess, that potentially is, when they shouldn't be. Yeah, and I'm really curious your thoughts or maybe your interactions with it because the name of the game and comedy and in entertaining in general is to put yourself out there and mm. people want to enjoy you and they want to laugh so is there an experience where you you walk a line like how do you even approach that do you feel like you've felt the negative impacts of tall poppy syndrome i don't think i don't think i have it all i think i'm very much a uh a medium-sized poppy and the maybe even a slightly short poppy in the in the comedy scene 
I'm not. There are lots of alphas in in comedy, and I feel very much like a like a beta, which is which I think is what let me find a bit of a niche with doing warm up, whereas everyone else is sort of looking for the 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 glory and the stand up specials and everything like that. Um, I also think the comedy community is, in my experience, has been super supportive of everyone else. Like, um, I think there's there's of course there's jealousy because we're all going for the same jobs and things like that, but um, yeah, when for me personally, whenever I see anyone from New Zealand doing well in comedy, I think that's great. I think it's awesome. Um, you see Ursula Carlson doing amazing. Reese Darby's one of the is a massive superstar. I saw him in two thousand and two do one of the worst stand up sets I've ever seen in my entire life. He bombed so hard out, and then the next year he was on Flight of the Concords in in Los Angeles, and that's great for him. He's great. His wife is also my agent, just uh, to bring bring things around together. Um, but yeah, I've never. Yeah, I, I, I feel like people people are supportive of each other. There are those little jealousies where you, you know, if if I see, if I, there are friends of mine, peers of mine who are doing the gala, or um, that's the comedy festival gala that's on TV, um, and you just think like, oh yeah, I'd, I'd do a stand up, I could, I could do that. It's not really so much a they shouldn't have it. It's a I'll be nice if I got to do that as well. It's yeah. that kind of thing, I think. But that's from me, and I'm sure there'll be other people who are like, oh my gosh, that person's been on TV. Screw that guy. Hate him. He's useless. He used to be great, but now he's such a sellout. Well, um, it, yeah, it's like um, the whole saying of those that mind don't matter and those that matter don't mind. I think my experience and the people I've spoken to is those who are just want everyone else to do well and if they're seeing success want to share that success and yeah. it sounds like the New Zealand comedy circuit in particular it's like go for it like yeah Ursula go Reese, yeah. go like let's make it this really positive funny environment and probably because the people who want to do comedy or be in that space like you said before want to have a laugh they don't want to be so serious all the time it yeah, sounds really positive yeah, yeah, I think so, and that's not to say, that's not to sort of belittle it because I think the idea of doing comedy is quite um, you've got to there's a lot of um, inward looking. You've got to find material that's normally based on your life, so you end up talking about yourself a lot, and I think that's quite healthy. Um, I think people who who maybe aren't seeing those little those, I talk about those little nuggets of little little bits of success that really sort of bump up your ego a little bit and sort of keep keep the balloon in the air if you don't have those in a little every so often I think you can get to that point of oh shit I'm not funny um which is is wrong because everyone's funny um it's just that yeah you need to remind people of that every so often and that's something that we can miss out on doing in the comedy community is reminding everyone that you no know, there's a reason you're here. You are funny. Um, it's just sometimes your niche area of comedy doesn't line up with the mainstream that what you would call success. Um, but you know, you you can still make a living from this, even though you're not on TV every week. Yeah. Yeah. And to kind of reference back to what you said before about social media and allowing niches to be funny. Like I'm mm -hmm. sure I find some things like there's certain rowing humor that unless you're a rower, <laughs> you will not find funny. Like science yeah. jokes. I'll read jokes that are science-based and it doesn't make sense 
to me but i'm like someone out there is finding this really funny someone's reading yeah. this and it's good so social media has almost allowed people a space and a niche to uh like find a community that's actually you know in israel or australia or like yeah. the, in- the international thing with social media has allowed it not to be so geographically located totally it's- we we had a thing during lockdown where we um I, I I played a band with a couple of guys and we made a, a lockdown parody of um some Alamino P songs um who are a, a a very good pop punk pop rock band from like the early two thousands and we we people around the world watched that and we're like oh this is great I I talked to someone recently who said they're using that video that we made during lockdown to in the like class to in their their teacher in Hamilton to teach the students about what you can do with creative writing and it's just this this thing we did because we had literally nothing to do in lockdown and um and it's become this weird sort of niche if you ever want to if you ever want a lockdown parody song but it has to be an Alamino P song do come and see me and 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 David D on it and we'll sort you out oh cool It's, it's crazy to think that that is a a a we our weird little niche yes something that you did amongst yourselves and once it's in the internet it's gone like you said Mm. that's why you don't want old uh old comedy sets coming coming back being dragged up from the past like leave them leave them where they were oh i like that (laughs) i feel like yeah that's the more like serious part of my podcast where i say what's the experience because some people who listen maybe do experience it or maybe it's an internal thing where it actually Mm. limits them from wanting to put themselves out there because they think they being you know like this on like never actually known presence that often like oh well they'll think this there's no who's the they we're thinking about like i like to encourage people to put themselves out there and focus on your point of those who actually want to see you do well and who will help you much like yourself being willing to you know dedicate an hour or so to talk to me it's just <laughs> we, we don't we don't know each other but I'd like to think now we do and all yeah. because you were willing to spend your time with me it's it's incredible oh that's, that's oh, I'm very happy to it's yeah it's nice I think yeah it's interesting right like I think I wonder if it's because in comedy there was such a, I feel like and I'm probably a bit too late to the game to sort of say that this is anything to do with me but there was such an effort to get more um get more women into comedy like we really wanted to create this sense of like there are 90 guys out of the 100 people doing doing comedy let's get that that balance up a bit more and um yeah and maybe it's from that that we just like no please we need we know that the world the world of comedy is a better place when you have more diversity um we're getting people from all walks of life and to to talk about their different um experiences let's make that happen and I, th- I th- maybe it's maybe it's from that maybe yeah. i'm just a really nice guy it could be that <laughs> i i'd like to think that too it could be both both can be true <laughs> yeah and, yeah that's true and even like you say about having a more diverse uh more diverse comedians represents the more diverse community like even to your point about uh i forget what it was we were talking about different sets different gigs what you can be talking about Haley sproul who i like i said i listen every morning i'm pretty sure her 
show for the gala is going to be all about ailments, like mm. talking about uh, whatever her ailments are. And as the person receiving it, the viewer, you can laugh because you're like, oh, someone's out there talking so openly about this experience I have and they're making light of it. And if they're talking about it, I'm going to talk about it. It just creates a more diverse experience that someone will relate to that others maybe wouldn't have been able to hit the head, like hit the nail on the head on. Exactly right. And as soon as you hear someone talking about something that relates to you, even if it's, you know, I can talk about MS and anyone with sort of any other condition, I think could probably relate to it in some way. But if I'm someone that's just been diagnosed with MS and I see, oh, there's a guy who is openly talking about this and isn't sort of trying to hide it like some people do, which is fair enough. And that's, if that's what they want to do, that's great. But that's not my way of dealing with it. And oh, I'm not, am I going to say if it helps one person that's going to make a difference? No, I'm not. You need to help at least 20 people for it to make a difference. But the, um, but the, yeah, that whole idea of just finding a connection with someone, even if you don't know them, it can just make it so much more easier. When I, when I got diagnosed with MS, I, I put a, I think I put a status out on Twitter, so on Facebook, just being like, hey, I just found out I've got MS. And, um, and I had so many people from my life message me and be like oh hey just secretly I also have it and have had it for a while there were oh 10 people wow. within that day that found it and people from all walks of life from from dentistry stuff from comedy from from lots of things and it just made me feel like oh yeah cool I'm not alone this is this is a thing that lots of people deal with which makes it easier a, a problem shared is a problem halved is that yes. saying? Did yeah. I say the right words? Yes. <laughs> a prob yes. A problem halved is a problem shared. A problem shared is a that problem That makes the same halved. thing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or at least courted. I remember I, yeah. used to, I used to argue with my grandma on that point. I was like, that is not half my problem. It's still yeah. here. But it does <laughs> ease that ability to talk about it with others. And yeah. I'm, I'm glad, I know we've kind of discussed a little bit MS and points, but for those who don't, know you and know your story and I'll say something and then please <laughs> you speak and correct me wrong <laughs> but it was early into fatherhood was when you were diagnosed with MS multiple sclerosis and across all the interviews and the articles I found and as I mentioned Attitude did a, like a doco show on it you maintain such an uplifting and jovial demeanor who slash what inspires you to embody such a you know, positive demeanor towards life. And when you found out you were like when you were diagnosed with MS, is there, is there a person, is there a reason, or is that just who you are? See, I don't, I just think I've always been like this. I've always liked being liked. I like, <laughs> like it's, I guess it's, um, yeah, I like, I like putting people at ease. Um, when I was a dentist, that's what I liked that was my favorite part of the job, just explaining things to people and being like, hey, I know people are a bit scared of dentistry, but you don't need to be. This is a very simple thing that we're doing. Um, kind of explaining that. I was, I really enjoyed that. I guess that's kind of what you do with comedy as well. You get people to relax and and then, and I guess I'd probably get it from my parents. Um, my mum's really, really like that. She's, she's very well. I mean, my, my dad, they, they're very, they're very kind people who love joking around and and um mum knows literally everyone in the world <laughs> I, I did a tv show um early on which is something i can't talk about yet but it's really exciting it's going to be on later in the year 
Um, and I got there, and one of the other contestants was like, I know your mum. I was like, oh, I finally get on a TV show, and, and uh, it's going to be <laughs> to my mum. And, uh, and that was great. The um, Yeah, and Dad's always been very funny and... And, and I, so yeah, I guess I guess it's from them, and I guess my 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 brother and sisters are both are all very very much like me. I'm the quiet one in the in the family, really, which is I, it's always a bit strange to hear. <laughs> um, and I guess maybe that maybe I sit back and listen a bit more than other people in my situation who will often. I say I sit back and listen as I've been tirading at you for like the last three That's minutes. That's the point of this. <laughs> this is how these things work. That's good. That's why I love podcasts because I finally get a word in. Um, <laughs> the yeah, so my yeah, my, yeah. I guess I guess my family, my and yeah, my yeah, my grandmother as well as my mum's mum is, is is a talker as well, and all, all my aunties and uncles and everything. So I guess it's just an extended Smith thing. We like being liked. We don't like um, uh, we 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 don't like drama. We don't like conflict. <laughs> we we just like everyone to have a nice, cool time. We like to look after the little guy, and um, yeah, yeah, maybe maybe from that. Yeah, I just always feel there's no need to wallow in sadness and grim things. You can. I guess you can look at that and be like, "Oh, you're cool. That's dumb. Now let's let's go uh, set fire to a car." That's that's where my brain went. I've never done that. I probably never will. But, but let's set fire. Well, I know. I, I get what you mean because I can see you can't quite put your finger on it because that's who you are. Like how maybe some people are innately angry and don't understand how other people yeah. can't be angry sometimes. It's just who we are. Or um, yeah, and you would you with your ms and i like i've said it many times because i really did love the attitude show because you were conversing with other people and their experiences with ms in the same way that other comedians might talk about something serious and i'm having quotation marks if people are listening um that <laughs> are, are really serious but i think comedians often we assume are oh, they're joking around all the time but like you referenced earlier actually really internalizing and sharing that with other people like I think in my experience comedians tend to be actually a lot deeper than we give them a surface oh, level credit for like totally that's yeah. why it's, it's so funny and it resonates with us yeah there is a lot of thought that goes into material for for stand-ups they they work on that and work and work and work and work on it it's um yeah it's really deep. there um I, I think what I like hanging around why I like hanging out with comedians so much is that they're all really clever. They're all super clever people. Um, sometimes different in different areas. Um, but man, you, if you ever want a deep philosophical conversation, hang out with some comedians after they've done a gig, and they'll be, <laughs> and they will talk you about absolutely everything. And sometimes it's too much. <laughs> but it's yeah, oh, it's, yeah, it's it's great. It's oh. cool. I only, I have two questions. One's a fake one. One's a real one. Um, so ask, Let's see if I can guess which one is which. Ask one first. I just want to keep talking selfishly. Um, okay. What work of yours, and I know you said there's some secret things, which you won't tell me. What work of yours can people look forward to in 2023? What can they get involved in? 
Oh, cool. Yeah, lots. I've got lots of stuff coming up, which is great. Um, Seven Days is coming back. So I'm, I'm one of the writers for that, and I do the audience warm-up. So you'll probably hear my laugh on the, sh the show a lot. I'll be there for most of the of the episodes. Um, I am also doing that for Pat Patty Gower has a new show called Patrick Gower Has Issues, which is going to be a new comedy, new show, which is going to be great. He's He's great. He's a strange man. And a very clever man and a very funny man. So that I think that's going to be a, a cool show to watch out for. Um, I've been working on Taskmaster Season 4, which is going to be on coming out. I write the tasks for that. It's going to be great. The lineup is amazing. And I can't wait for people to reveal it. Um, then my secret show that I'm on. That's going to be great. Um, I've written a, I've written a new book about... Um, it's about... Uh, it's called Don't Scare the Dentist because people don't know people don't know this, but um, dentists are scared of children, and so it's a book teaching children how they can look after their dentist in a in a nice kind way. So that's meant to, that should be coming out about about this time next year. I've, I've written the words, and we um, the illustrating always takes a wee while, um, so that's going to start very soon, which I'm really excited about. And then I've got another adventure series. Um, which is uh has potentially just been greenlit as a as a series of books i'm still waiting to hear back officially but hopefully that could be and some more books out which is oh it's great oh. it means i can just sit here and come up with dumb ideas and just put them down and then people read them and Epic. It's, oh it's so cool yeah. and i'm going to i'm going to um germany in the middle of the year in june i'm doing a big walk with ms through a company called uh, mastering mountains they give a grant to people with ms to go out and do basically to look after themselves and do exercise to build up to this thing i'm walking from munich to um a town called fusen which is where schloss neuschwanstein is which is the castle that the disneyland castle is based on and oh i'm so excited doing it in june it's going to be great. Oh my gosh, that is epic! Like a literally, busy year. yeah, a busy year. And I really like too the fact that you're authoring because writing is distinct here. Like writing is the comedy; it's what people are going to perform. Being an author is there's going to be this hard copy that you can put on the coffee table, or you can wrap it up and give That's it great. to someone. It's it's cool. And working with the illustrator is almost that same physical representation of working with a performer because the yes. illustrator is going to take your words and you'll be like oh, I didn't actually think it was going to be green but okay <laughs> so the um I, I have a book out it's um I've got a copyright here this is my book that I have out it's called snake brought cake yes I got um so I wrote the words for it I wrote a poem for my son Harry and um then sent it to my mum just to she's a librarian she knows a lot about kids books so just say oh do you have any ideas any tips she said i've sent it to my literary agent and then i got an email from her literary agent saying hey we sold this to Hashet," and then i got a call from Hashet saying hey we're publishing this and i was like whoa 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 how did how did all this happen i then got sent the first sketches for what the pictures were going to look like and they're amazing yeah you're <laughs> so cool and it all came a about just I had to do so little work for it <laughs> it was so cool that Darren Parton's the illustrator he's amazing and I'm working with him um again uh on the on the dentistry book so um uh, I'm so excited about it I saw um Susie Cato she's yes! given it the tick of approval so that's yes! how you know it's good 
She's great. I worked on Dancing with the Stars with her when she was on, and she was so lovely. Um, her kids came to the show, and because I was doing the audience warm up, I hung out with them, and and they're awesome. And yeah. and uh, yeah, and she's oh, she's the person to get on side if you if you write a kids book. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's yeah. There's there's so much happening, and I only have one more fake question, real question. Um. <laughs> And this is just like a random one for my own personal notes, but I like to, I like to keep tabs. If you were told Sam for the rest of your days, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you only get one meal. You can have a drink, but this meal has to sustain you for all occasions for the rest of your life. What are you going to choose? Probably a buffet. (laughs) No, That's cheating. It is. (laughs) (laughs) oh man okay this is exciting i um i love food and i love food that's kind of bad for you it's got to sustain you for the whole time hmm do you know what i'm kind of cheating here burgers why do you think it's cheating yeah that's my time because it's a combination of everything like there's a bit of there's a bit of veggies in there there's some protein. There's some carbs, which I still love. No, you're not. No, you're not particularly into, but they're great. Um, so it's uh, yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be burgers, I reckon. I'm a big pizza guy. I'm a big fried chicken guy. And you I, should be in America. You would. I should be in America. <laughs> my my um my palate is very similar to my five year olds. <laughs> Easy. We're eating Cheerios dipped in tomato sauce a lot, and. Uh, and my wife is making wonderful, nutritious meals that we that we eat. And then whenever she's away, we're like, cool, let's have some nuggets. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> the, the pizza question, too. I almost was going to lean into that for people because where I am in the Jersey City area is pretty good pizza. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> to do with the water, eh? The water's different? And yeah. Fix the... Yeah, it's... I've, I... I've done research into New York pizza. There's a place that sells a... It's like a, it's a Big Mac pizza. Oh, I've got to remember the name of it. It's in, it's in New York. It does a Big Mac pizza? Does a Big Mac, it does like crazy pizzas. There's a Big Mac pizza. There's a, um, is it a a fried chicken and waffles pizza? This could be the most important question of the whole thing is what is the name of that place? What is the name of the place? I've got Blaze pizza in my head, but I think that's a separate thing. I'm a big fan of American things. I'm a big Disney guy. I um we went to New York about on oh, 2013. Wow, that was a long time ago now. Um, and it was just the coolest time. We were there for a week. We saw we saw four Broadway shows. I went to stand up, we went to Shakespeare in the Park. We went to we went up 30 Rock and we didn't the NBC studio tour. It was just so cool being in the place. We went to where the Ghostbusters was filmed and Home Alone and Home Alone 2. And just, it was so cool going around and seeing all these places that we've just seen. Because I love TV and movies, you just get to see all these places in real life. And that's the that's the greatest thing about going anywhere, I think, from traveling is just going, being like, man, hey, this is where Rick Moranis banged on the window before he got eaten by that thing in Ghostbusters. Yep. Is that my cat meowing? <laughs> is that my cat licking itself? Very nice. Mr. Whiskers, get a room. <laughs> Um, 
Grace, I could I could talk to you all day, and I shouldn't because I've got I've got things that I should should be doing. But thank you for having me. It's been lovely. Thank you. Let's do it again sometimes. I'll try and live another life, and uh, we can you can have me on as Sam Smith Part Two, where he's reinvented himself as a I don't know a rower. Maybe I'll take over from you. Thank you so much for listening to Tall Poppy Talk. We'll see you next time. Feel free to check us out on socials, YouTube, and the website. Thanks for today's guest.